0: All right, you know the um, there are a couple of signups in the back for those of you that are, uh, you know, we've been out for golly way too long in my opinion as far as just uh, things have been at a standstill. Now I'm listening. They are what they are, and they have been what they have been. But well, we're ready to move forward. Uh, we've got some uh, signups back here. Yeah, come on, let's give a hand clap. I like that. <laughs> We're ready to move forward, and so there's the sign up in the back for, uh, I believe it's uh, children's or nursery workers, children's ministry workers, and then also we're trying to get the coffee shop up and going again. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm making my own coffee, and I don't mind doing it. But some folks don't have that privilege when they come in here. they got to get coffee out of there. And uh, we just want to get it up. It's just nice to be able to grab a cup of coffee, to sit down out there, maybe before service or after or whatever. But uh, anyway, there's some sign-up opportunities out there. Don't just go out. Somebody else will do it. I'm looking at the somebody's right here. If you would be so inclined, if you would be so kind and so willing, uh, I think you could sign up. we got lots of folks that have been doing lots of things behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, because that's what it takes. It takes a lot of people. But we need more folks helping with the various things. I, even today, I don't think we had the cart out today. We need some other folks that are uh, able to, to run the cart. Uh, we've got some folks that really could use some help getting in and out from the parking lot. And that little golf cart helps a lot. Enough with the commercials and the advertisement. We just want to move forward. Uh, It's time to move forward. Listen, we're going to start a new series uh, today, and we're calling it Proclaim. And we're going to be looking at the book of Acts, and we're going to be going through uh, different things that uh, that the, the church, the early church, the, the church of Acts, made some proclamations. And they're they're pretty much all, not going to say they're the same, but they're in different settings and different types of, of uh, environments, but they are all wrapped around the love of God, the grace of God, the resurrection, that, that there's a solution to the sin problem in our life, that God has a, eternal uh, promises for us to be forgiven. And so, uh, I'm just going to start this morning, and if you didn't get a, si- uh, a hand out there in the back, if you raise your hand, maybe somebody can get you one. But uh, at any rate, uh, we want to just get started, and actually... I'm not going to read all the the text this morning. I'm just going to go through and hit some of it. But we're going to look through Acts 2, and it's going to be going through 22 through 41. 22 through 41, and um, very familiar passages of Scripture. This is actually um, where the, the, the promise that Jesus makes uh because Jesus was with the dis- with his disciples he was with those that uh, after the resurrection for about 40 days and he and he would meet with them he would come and he would join them and he would teach them and talk to them about things of the kingdom of God and at one point some of the disciples said so lord tell us when the when the kingdom of God when uh, when is it going to happen when is gonna, the end going to come and and Jesus said those times are set and only the father knows but basically keep your eyes on what God's doing let's move forward and he says but here's what I want you to do I want you to stay in Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the promise of the father and I'm not going to hit I don't know we'll see I'm I'm kind of uh, fired up this morning a little bit about the Holy Spirit because I believe the Holy Spirit is what changes our life he changes our life I heard a man preaching about the Holy Spirit and he kept talking about the Holy Spirit as it 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 and I'm thinking Please, and when you're talking about your pastor, please don't talk about him like, well, it was up there preaching. That's offensive. Talk about your spouse. Well, it, and I know I've heard people do that. Well, it's out there, you know. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person, and he cares about every detail of our life. And so this morning, um, I believe the Holy Spirit, as we begin to look at these uh, proclamations over the next several weeks, uh, the, re- the thing that made the difference was the Holy Spirit? Because you remember after the uh, after the crucifixion, and uh, between the crucifixion and the resurrection, everybody everybody ran. Everybody took off. They they just ran away because they were terrified because of what had happened to Jesus. And they thought, well, this didn't work out like we had planned. And eventually, three days later, which we talked about last week, how the the resurrection happens, and Jesus raises from the dead, and all the stories begin to, to, to circulate about, oh, they came and they stole his body, but then on the other side, uh, the church and the disciples are telling the truth uh, because of what the Bible, even the guards at the gate, at the, at the, the tomb, were, they knew what happened, but they accepted a bribe. We talked about that last week, and they were a part of starting a rumor that, ah, the that didn't happen. It didn't happen. Well, something caused them to faint, and something caused them to pass out, and something caused them to be terrified. And so the thing is, is very, very quickly after that, Jesus met with the disciples and he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which Jesus made. I believe it was in John, golly, John seventeen eighteen, uh, when he said uh, twenty, I think it was when he says, "I'm going to uh, send a comforter." I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go away. If I don't go away, I can't send the comforter. And so you might say, man, this is a lot of stuff. Well, here's the thing. A lot of stuff happened before what we're getting ready to read. God was setting it up. Jesus was setting it up. So as we begin to read these proclamations, they weren't just, they didn't just happen one day. These got up and they said, by golly, we're just going to get up and we're going to just take courage. And they may have had to done that, but they were set up. And we're set up too. God has set us up in a position, set us up in a place to where if we will uh, understand how they did what they did, then, because I believe that proclamations are what, what are said. You know, over the last year, how many proclamations were put out in the city? How many proclamations were put out in cities around the country, in this country, uh, from the from the president's office to the governor's uh, office to the mayor's office, proclamations shutting down uh, the parks, shutting down schools, proclamations. They were words that were spoken because they had authority and they did that. And, you know, and they did it because in their minds and in their hearts, they believed that they were doing for the best, uh, for the better uh, good for all. That's what they. That's what they. That's why they did it. I'm not going to give you commentary on any of that. I'm just going to move on. But the point is, is they were doing it. And listen, here's what happened. It affected everybody. It affected you. It affected every one of us. It's still affecting us today. I'm going to move on because I could stay on that a while, but I don't want to stay on that. My point is, is that proclamations carry weight. They carry weight. And so as we begin to look at some of these proclamations, either we can look at it and go, yeah, that's what they said a long time ago. But let me say this. They still are affecting everyone who will receive them, everyone who will actually begin to speak what God told these guys to speak. So let me just get started here. And uh, Peter makes three direct uh, uh, appeals. They were relevant to their time in, the, in these uh, scriptures, which I just gave you the, the verses. I'm not going to read all of them, 22 through 41, Acts 2. But I'm going to start here in uh, Acts uh, 2, verse 22. And I'm going to read just, I think, the first verse where, where Peter says, he, this is his first appeal. He says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him, as you well know. He wasn't, you know what, if I were to say to you, as you well know, you'd go, what are you talking about? But you see, these people were there. These people were there. They had seen people that had been healed. They had heard the stuff that's going on. If I were to say to you, have you seen any any, uh, residue of the proclamations that have been made over the last year? You might go, I haven't seen anything. Really? You've been to Walmart lately? You've been anywhere lately? They affect people. And so these guys, they were impacted by by what Jesus had done. And he's basically giving them a reminder. You were there. You saw. Now, this is after the crucifixion and after the resurrection. And all the stories were beginning to circulate already. Oh, he didn't raise from the dead. His body was stolen. Oh, his body wasn't stolen. He rose from the dead. All these stories are circulating. And what happens when you get two uh, turbulences coming from or two things coming from one different, two different directions, you get turbulence. And a lot of things were becoming very turbulent, very difficult. So the disciples were beginning to declare the truth. And you see, you might go, well, how do you know it was the truth? Listen, I, we just have to settle on something. And I believe that what God says is true. I believe the word is true. And the thing is, it's not enough just for me to believe it to change your life. Every single one of us have to believe it. But it's not even enough for just us just to believe it. We have to declare it as well. It has to become our proclamation. We have to see that our words set a course for our lives. Our words set a course for our families. Our words set a course for the church in the city that we live in, in in the nation that we are living in. And so Peter says this. He's making this proclamation, people of Israel, Listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him as you well know you saw it. You were there. You understand. And so basically Peter makes his first appeal to the exper- uh, to his hearers uh, based on their experience to see the power of God. They saw it. These miracles were done right there in their midst. They knew it. They saw it. Peter doesn't have to approve, uh, to prove the power of God. All he's got to do is point back at it. This is what happened. But here's the thing. We don't have that convenience, do we? And um, we can say, what well, the Bible says, and we do that, and we will do that. But let me say this, that, you know, the thing that we have is our personal testimony. It's our personal testimony. And you might go, nobody's going to believe me. Believe what? Well, my story. What is your story? Probably the majority of us don't even know how to tell our story. We don't even know how to, how to make a proclamation of, listen, it was 1972. Whether the years remembered or not, I don't care. But there was a day in my life that I heard the message of Christ. I heard a man talking about Jesus. He was preaching about what God had done through his son, sending his son in my heart. And this didn't happen in just one service. This was several times I heard the message. I had people talking to me, and it changed, it impacted me, and it saved me. That message saved me. I received it. I opened my heart. I prayed that prayer. And then I began to be hungry. I began to to feed myself on the word of God. I began to get around people who understood what the scriptures meant. They began to teach me and train me. They began to encourage me. They began to pray with me and pray for me. So here's the deal. You might say, well, I can't point back at the miracles. See, I love it when I can point at a miracle. And I can I can point at at several miracles that have happened. But the thing is, is you weren't there, so you got to take my word for it. But here's the thing. I can talk to you about the miracle that took place in my life. You can talk about the miracle that took place in your life. That's called a personal testimony. And that's what we give. And you might be thinking, nobody cares about my story. I think you're wrong. I think you're very wrong. I think that God gives us that, the testimony. He tells us in Revelation that, that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Man, that's, that's amazing. By the word of our testimony. But the thing is, is, the reason some people are not overcoming is because the word of their testimony is not being shared. It's just like, well, I have one. Where? Well, it's, you know, I have a testimony. What is it? Tell me about what happened, what brought you to Christ. See, some people spend more time talking about the horrors of their past. They talk about how, how deep in drugs they were. And they'll spend hours talking about that, how terrible and how, how rude and, and worthless that they, that, their life, that they feel like their life was. And then at the end of all, and then one day somebody told me about Jesus, I got to say, hallelujah, changed my life. You built faith in me to, to believe that you were really a mess. Tell me about your story. I think that's one thing that God has given us. The ability to proclaim. Now here's the deal. You don't have to stand up on a soapbox in the, you know, at Arby's and or wherever you eat, you know, Chick-fil-A and start declaring to people. Don't do that. We'll read about you in the paper, you know. But I'm just saying, you know, we but we have a story. And that story is what God gives us. To be able to proclaim it. And you don't have to be a preacher to proclaim or to tell your story. It's just got to be clear in your heart. What what brought you to Christ? What brought you to Christ? What was your life before Christ? Briefly. (laughs) What brought you to Christ? And how has your life changed? Listen, for me personally, I remember the day, and I'm off of my message, but that's all good. I remember the day that I got saved, and I remember the next year or right in the next year or so, um, my brother and I, um, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I looked up to him in a lot of areas, probably because he was about this much taller, but still. But I did look up to him in some areas because he was the older brother, and I wanted to, to do the things that he was doing. And, and I remember because I couldn't do those because I was younger and because whatever, I decided what I was going to do is I was going to show him I could cuss. I could cuss like a sailor, man. Would you like an an illustration? No. (laughs) I'm just saying. But, yeah, I remember one day I was sitting on the couch, and my brother comes in, and he had uh, his buddy with him, and and they walked in, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I got to be cool because, you know, I'm going to be cool like them. And anyway, so I just ripped off this big, long curse, blah, 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 blah. And my brother stops, and he looks at me, and his buddy was there, and he goes, what's wrong with him? He said, he's an idiot, and he walks off. Here's the thing we all have a past. We all have a past. But I can tell you that when I got saved, when Jesus came into my life, he changed my heart. And I then I began to aspire to be like Jesus. I wanted to be like the Savior. I wanted to, to be the person that he had created me to be. And so, and the only way that could have happened was for him to come into my life, for my life to have power inside. And of course, we know that uh, in 2 Corinthians and I think this is this is also down there 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 it says this means it's talking about if any man's in Christ he's a new creation I'll quote it old things are passed away all things become new see the thing is is if nothing has become new Joe and I were talking about this in the in the office this morning and I said I'm gonna basically tell folks that you know what your life changes when we come to Christ our life changes and if it hasn't changed then you can respond to the altar call after the service and allow God. And I'm not being sarcastic because, you know, honestly, I believe that if we open up our heart and we yield to God, he'll change us. Not overnight, but he begins to change our desires. You know that scripture that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think we look at that verse and we say, well, you know, if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me that, whatever it is that that car, that that new thing, that that faster thing, that shinier thing. That's I don't believe that's what it means. I believe it means that he's going to give, he's going to put into your heart the desire for his word. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He will he will choose for you the desires he wants you to have. I had people tell me you know, I don't want to become a Christian. It's boring. If you become a Christian, all you want to do is just read the Bible and go to church, read the Bible and go to church. Well, the truth of the matter is, is I can't quite understand why that's such a problem. And I do other things. But I'm just saying when God gives us the desires of our heart, they're desires that he wants us to have. And life, listen, I've gone more places, done more things in my life than I ever imagined. More than I can even imagine. And I've had people, and I get embarrassed sometimes because I'll be talking to somebody and they'll be talking about a place and and Dana will go, tell them you've been there. And I'm going, I'm not telling them I've been there. Why? Because I don't want to sound like, you know, a, a name dropper or a country or whatever. I don't want to tell them. Why? Because they don't understand because it's just bragging, right? But the truth is, in our life, God opens doors. He gives us opportunities. He gives us resources. He gives us connections that we don't deserve. God changes our life. He sets our feet on a path, helps us to move forward. But, this, but in this first uh, appeal here is that he's basically talking to them, things that they know. What do people know about you? What do they know? Are you making a proclamation, a declaration of your faith? Are you going forward and telling people that you're a new creation? It's one thing to tell them, I'm a new creation. It's another thing to tell them a little bit about what you were like before. But tell them what you're like now. I'm not just a dirty old rotten cusser that Jesus forgives my sin. Yeah, well, I still cuss a lot, and I, whatever, I do fighting on Friday nights, Saturday nights, and, but Jesus loves me. Man, God's changed me. He's, he's totally revolutionized my life by the power of God. And so the first appeal, I believe, was that you saw the power of God, and you can respond to the power of God. The second appeal here is, it was like a, it was historical authenticity. It was basically that you know you remember when this happened? It was when it was when Herod was, was the ruler uh, uh, of this of this province of this area. It's when Rome. Remember this? It's like for us. How many of you remember where you were? Well, let me look around a little bit. Yeah. How many of you remember where you were when JFK was shot? You remember? Some of you, have, come on, you're not that young. <laughs> Do you remember the day? You remember that? How many of you remember where you were and what was going on on 9-11? 9/11? Yeah, we remember it's an impact. We can look back. Well, he's telling these guys, you remember, you remember exactly when this happened. This happened when Pilate was in charge and Rome was controlling everything here. That's what it happened. You know, I think today, um, we look at, like, like well, I mentioned this last week, we look at our calendar. And I would just ask you, what's, what's the date today? It's what? Uh, April the... What year? Based on what? Based on what? 2021, based on what? Based on the birth of Christ. It has impact. There's a historical power in, in, our, in, in, our, in, our, in our calendar. When you look back, it's like it's based on what? Now, if you go look it up and you say, what does 2021 mean? You're going to find all kinds of weird, bald stuff. And well, according to the Zodiac, well, according to, you know, in all kinds of religious religions, it's it's actually not 2021, it's 5473 or something like that. It's just, but I've never ever, ever seen anything that's come to me and the date be 5473 or whatever. You know, it's it's in the year of Leo or whatever. I've never seen any of that. It's always the year. And then we might go, that's such come on, man, what's the big deal? The big deal is is there's a reference point. There's a reference point. And when we point back, people just want to, to forget it. Now even what they're doing is they're going to what they call the common era and the, uh, what was the other one, Joe? Before common era. B, uh, common era instead of B, uh, B.C. was before Christ and A.D. was Anno Domini, which was uh, in the year of our Lord. It was basically, that was the dividing point of history. That was the dividing point of history. And the thing is, is people look at that and they go, I don't know, I don't, You need to know that it's like everybody understands that it's 2021. But the thing is, is why is it 2021? Because it points back to an amazing event that changed the course of history. It changed everything. But you see, the world wants to cover it up. Take Christmas, Merry Xmas. (laughs) What? They want to take Christ out of Christmas. So it's Xmas. They just and here's the thing. I'm not against Santa Claus and I'm not against the Easter Bunny. But I tell my kids and my grandkids, as my kids were growing up, my grandkids, listen, you can have all the Easter eggs you want and everything, but here's what Easter is. Easter's the resurrection of our Savior. And people need to be told that. And not just at Easter time. I'm talking about every single opportunity that we get. And see, some people go, well, I don't want to offend anybody. They don't care about offending you. I don't want to offend anybody either. And the truth is, we can do what we do with grace and love, and truth. We can do everything that we want to do with grace and love, and truth. So the the second appeal here that that Peter makes. Let me read this. This is uh, Acts two, verse 23 and twenty four. It says, "But God knew uh, what would happen, and he uh, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him. He's talking to these guys. You nailed him." to the cross and killed him but god released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life uh, for death could not keep him in his grip and down in verse 32 and 33 god raised jesus from the dead and we were all witnesses of this because we were there is what he was saying we were there we were here nobody would go what happened today although remember on the road to emmaus Whenever Jesus walks up to these guys and they're walking along the road to Emmaus after the after Jesus had been crucified and he had risen, and they're they're talking, and Jesus comes up and he says, "What are you all talking about?" He says, "Where have you been, then Didn't you hear about what happened in Jerusalem?" And they begin to tell the whole story, and they're looking at Jesus, they're looking at this resurrected Jesus, and as they're looking at him, they're basically their eyes are just they don't understand. And then the Bible says that God opened their eyes and they realized who he was. Now, here's the thing everybody in Jerusalem, everybody in this part of the world knew what was going on. Everybody did. What Peter was doing was pointing back to what had happened. This happened. He was telling them, No, no, this happened. Let me remind you, because I can guarantee you people want to just forget what they consider to be tragedy, what they consider to be a loss, a failure. It was too hard, it was too difficult. I know that, you know, the, the 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 slogan that we have for 9-11 is never forget. Why? Why can't we just forget it? It was so terrible. Because it impacted our lives. Because we show honor to those who died. Because we never want to get put ourselves back in that place. We don't want to just say, hey, it happened, it happened, forget it. Who cares? No, we want to remember. Jesus even said that with the with the the cup and the and the cracker, the, the bread and the and the cup. He says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance. Remember what I did. Remember. And the way we help people remember is telling them about our story. The gospel. Joe and I were talking this morning, and he, he was shared a verse with me that I love. My, probably my favorite verse in the Bible. It's, it's Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed. Church, listen. We're not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to save the lost. We're not ashamed of the gospel. What's the gospel? We can say it. We can go in there and read it to people. We can find it. But you know what? Tell me the gospel with your story. Tell me the gospel with your proclamation. Tell me the gospel and how it works in your life and how it worked in your life, how it's working in your life. And you don't have to shove it down my throat because here's the deal. All I got to do is look at your life. I can hear your story The gospel is the power of God. If you're wondering, oh, God, let your power fall. Oh, God, send your power. Oh, God, bowl them over. Oh, God, you know me tell you how to loose the power of God? Share your story. Share the gospel, how God saved you through Christ. Share your testimony. I believe it's a proclamation. See, it's not enough to believe. We have to say it. We have to declare it. You know why people aren't getting saved in some circles? because nobody's preaching or sharing the gospel. That's why. I couldn't have gotten saved until someone began telling me the gospel. What does he say in Romans? He says, how can they hear unless someone goes? How can they hear the gospel unless somebody goes, unless somebody tells them? I'm looking at a lot of somebodies. I'm looking at a lot of folks today. And we can do what it is that God's called us to do. We can take and see, here's the deal. It's not, oh, preacher, you're the one that's supposed to do the proclaiming. I don't think so. If you ever had somebody show up at your house that was unwanted uh, or an animal, maybe you get a dog, you go out and there's a dog, and maybe he's attacking your animal. I don't know. I could have all kinds of stories. And you go out and you go, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, that, 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 that terrible thing's in my yard. You know what you do? You begin declaring, get out of my, you start, you get loud. Now, I'm not saying do that with people. I'm just saying, but there's something that rises up inside of us. And if nothing rises up inside of us, we need to stir it up. Because the proclamation is what changes lives of others. It's us telling them, if people have to guess your story, they're never going to get it. They're never going to get it. They're never going to get it. So the second appeal was based on historical authenticity. This is what happened. You remember, you were there, Rome was in charge. This, this was the power of, of, of what was happening at that time. So, why does all that matter? Why does all that matter? Why does all this matter? And I just go back to the verse that I just mentioned because the gospel is the power of God to save the lost. It's not your, 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 your warm feeling in your heart for your family. It's not the sadness you feel when you look at people that are lost. That doesn't save anybody. It's not the money that you drop in the bucket for the Salvation Army. That's good. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. That's not it. It's not even the money you give to missions that helps other people to do that. But it's when we take the message of our story, of our life, of our salvation, and we begin to, in a life-giving way, tell others. And see, when I say proclaim, it's almost like you see yourself maybe on a pedestal or a platform yelling at people. And the truth is that's not, I don't see it that way. I see it as an opportunity to step into an environment and begin to tell people about the goodness of God in your life. The goodness and the kindness of God in your life. And the last, the final appeal that that Peter gives here, and I love this, uh, the resurrection is the difference maker the resurrection, and I'll tell you why. Let me read these verses here real quick. This is uh, Acts 2, uh, 25 through 31. King David uh, King David said this about him. About who? About the Lord Jesus. He was talking about Jesus, about the Lord. He says, I see that the Lord is always with me. David was talking. Now think of who's, who is reading this? Who's saying this? Peter is saying this to the Jews. He's saying this to people that are there. And he's telling them uh, that this is what King David, because they worshipped in a lot of respects, they worshipped King David. He was the man. He was the one. He was, oh, man, going to who's going to sit on King David's throne? They thought he was going to come back maybe. I don't know what they were thinking. But but David knew he would, there was somebody coming. Another one's coming. And he knew who he was. He didn't know his, maybe his name. But he says, King David said this about him. I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he Is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul alone among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus here. He says, You have shown me the way of life, you will fill fill me with joy. Uh, the joy of your presence, dear brothers and sisters, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself for he is for he died and was buried and his tomb is still there among us today. He was a prophet and he and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would come and sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. Verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses. Now he is exalted to the the highest place of honor at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love the fact that Jesus died, he went into the grave, and that's the difference maker, that he rose from the dead, that he raised from the dead. But let me tell you, the difference maker is the Holy Spirit. And You might say, well, what are you talking about? I think the, res- the Holy Spirit, the same, that if that same spirit that raised Christ, Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, he will make us alive in ways that we need to be alive, in ways that we can't even imagine. He will cause things to come alive inside of us. It's like, well, I just, you know, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a whatever. You know what? When I believe when the Holy Spirit begins to, to cause things to come alive, and you might go, well, if God wants to do it, he can do it. Really? If God wants to do it, really? We have to yield. How many of you got saved just because you came to church one day and you left? and You said, wow, somehow I got saved today. You responded. You stepped up, you raised your hand, you walked out, you did something, you prayed with someone, you opened your heart, you asked him to come in. I'm going to tell you right now, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe we get the Holy Spirit when we get saved. I believe that there, the Holy Spirit comes into us. But when the Holy Spirit comes into us to overflowing, well, let me tell you right now, that's the game changer right there. That is the game changer. I don't want to be weird. That's all good. Too late, you're already weird. You're all weird. I'm just saying, you know what? People, they don't want it because they don't want some kind of a, well, I don't want to be, that's okay. You don't have to be weird. But I think we have to be filled. We have to be filled to the to overflowing, to overflowing. I love that part. I love that part of that that verse right there. So how's the resurrection, the difference maker? The Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit was poured out right after that. What was it that Jesus said? 40 days he's walking with the disciples. Why didn't he tell them everything before the cross? Well, he probably had. and a matter of fact, he, he already had. But he says, go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise that I told you. I told you about this promise. Go and wait for the promise. See, some people like to just leave it there. Well, you know, Jesus rose and salvation, that's it. No, no. There's a power That gives us the ability to proclaim. That's what we're reading right here. You know what changed these disciples' lives? You know what changed Peter's life? As he sat in that room with those other disciples in that upper room and he was waiting. He was waiting. Uh, What were they waiting for? Waiting for the Holy Spirit. What's it gonna be? I have no idea. They didn't know. They didn't know what it was gonna be like, they didn't have any clue. But God was getting ready to fill them with courage and confidence and life and hope and something that they couldn't muster for themselves. He was getting ready to fill them. He was getting ready to help them overcome their fears, their intimidations. He was getting ready to fill them with stuff that was going to cause them the ability to stand up in front of people that were trying to kill them just a short time before and tell them, make the declaration that Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom you crucified. Let me read the end of this, and we'll be done this morning. This is the, the last verses here in this. This is 37 through 41. Peter's words pierced them to the heart. He stood up and he said, This Jesus, whom you've crucified. Uh, he says, Peter, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the of Christ Jesus. Uh, for the forgiveness of your sin, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to those as' far off. Let me say it again to you and to your children and to those as far off as uh, all all who are called by the uh, called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching a long time i'm not going to, but i'm just saying he did so don't get mad at me. He says, Peter continued preaching a long time, strongly urging the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Jesus said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. You know, I don't think people just simply get saved because you have a church service. I don't think people simply get saved because we go to church. I think people get saved because we begin to proclaim what God's done, what God has done. What has God done? Oh, that's up to you, preacher. You're the one that tells everybody what God's done. Wrong again. I do. I tell people what God's done in my life. I share that story. I share it here. But if this is the only place I share it, then I am lacking miserably. I am failing miserably. But you know what? In the world we live in, you know, when I tell people, (laughs) I don't like to tell people lots of times if they don't know me what I do for a living. Uh, what are you? What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a teacher <laughs> because it turns them off. And the thing is, am I lying? No, I'm a teacher. <laughs> but the truth is, I don't want to shut them down. I don't want to go in with guns blazing and say, you know, uh, everybody needs to, you know, get away from this crooked and perverse generation. You're going to die and go to hell. I don't want to do that. God wants us with grace kindness, and love, to share this hope. We are people who were created to proclaim. But don't let that word proclaim scare you. Just tell somebody about what God's done. Tell others what God has done in your life. You don't have to roll, eyes roll back in your head and you froth at the mouth and roll on the floor. That'll scare them off. That's scaring me off. But you know what? We have a story inside You you find a good deal at at, at Dillard's or Walmart or wherever you go. You know what you're going to do? You're going to call a friend and say, hey, listen, you just need to get down there right now, man. This is what's going on. I want you to know, God has given us something amazing. He wants us to proclaim it. He wants us to tell others. Let's pray.